Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Dairy Farmers of Manitoba Chair David Weens. Also, Glendalee Allen-Vossler will have a report from Canada's Farm Show in Regina. Up first in today's country comment, we'll hear from the Managing Director, the Enterprise Machine Intelligence and Learning Initiative, the latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Jacqueline Kina. She's the Managing Director of the Enterprise Machine Intelligence and Learning Initiative. So this week we announced uh, Innovation Farms Powered by Ag Expert. It's a million-dollar investment into EMILY and our Innovation Farm Project by Farm Credit Canada. And so Innovation Farms, uh, similar to Smart Farms across Canada, but a little bit different in that it is a 5,500-acre full-scale commercial farm uh, just about 20 minutes uh, north of Winnipeg. And our intention is to have it be used for a number of purposes, to test and validate new technologies uh, on-farm and in digital agriculture, and to validate and highlight later stage new technologies in a full-scale commercial environment. So that's pretty unique, uh, definitely unique here in Manitoba and across the prairies. And so we're hoping that it can be useful to digital ag startups, uh, legacy companies to test and validate and demonstrate the role of new technologies uh, and digital ag technologies for production agriculture. And also to highlight uh, the level of technological sophistication that already exists on farm to a broad audience beyond people directly involved in agriculture and also to attract students uh, from all sorts of backgrounds and faculties uh, into digital agriculture because we need all sorts of skill sets involved in digital ag. Yeah, and I guess in addition to the to the name change, talk a bit more about the partnership with Farm Credit Canada. Yeah, it's pretty exciting for us. Of course, Farm Credit Canada is a incredible crown corp here uh, in the country. They do all sorts of interesting things, but especially their ag expert software um, is an incredible accounting and agronomy um, software. So we're going to be using it in all sorts of testing, research, technology development, and we're excited to be um, integrating that into our, all of our practices actually on Innovation Farm. Talk a bit more about some of the key projects that are uh, taking place there and then some of the work, uh, you know, going to be happening in the in the near future. So this year we're going to be testing all sorts of hardware and software solutions to demonstrate productivity and sustainability gains on farm as a result of the integration of new technologies, things like climate change mitigation, disease and pest management, and efficient water use for production agriculture. That was Jacqueline Kina, Managing Director of the Enterprise Machine Intelligence and Learning Initiative. Another look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Some of the winter wheat crop is starting to head out. Alex Griffiths is with Ducks Unlimited. This year in the western part of the province, there was about 5,300 acres on our program that I've been scouting, scattered from uh, Melinda to Roblin to Clearwater. Of that, about 5,000 acres were uh, kept in. So it ended up being a really good year, especially considering all those Colorado low snows. Um, Most of the areas that were affected by winter kill were your usual culprits, the hilltops where blowing winds made for exposed soil or drowned out spots from all the water that we got. And there was a couple of fields with snow mold, which was not often seen on a large scale. And in some cases, it even caused a full field write-off. This is Native Prairie Appreciation Week. Forage breeder Dr. Sean Aslan says native grasses play an important role and historically have been the foundation of early agriculture on the prairies. 
in large swaths of, of Saskatchewan, we do rely on our native rangeland uh, for our cattle production. And they are, in, in many senses, very low input systems. Uh, so we're not having to reseed every year. Uh, we don't have that seed cost. We don't have to be adding nutrition back onto the landscape. Uh, be it fertilizer, any type of fertilizer. Dr. Aslan's work focuses on native plant breeding at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's Swift Current Research and Development Centre. An enterprise machine intelligence and learning initiative has announced a partnership with Farm Credit Canada and the renaming of its innovation farm as Innovation Farms Powered by Egg Expert. The 5,500-acre full-scale production innovation farm near Winnipeg will use Ag Expert software as part of its testing, research, and technology development. Innovation Farms, powered by Ag Expert, is one part of a larger project that will see Emily work with FCC to build a Canadian network of agriculture, technology, knowledge, and labour to address the changing needs of the agriculture industry. Key projects will include climate change mitigation, disease and pest management, and water use for production agriculture. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Agwire for Thursday, June 23rd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vosser will have a report from the final day of Canada's Farm Show in Regina. Canada's Farm Show wraps up today in Regina. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler is there and caught up to the nozzle guy, Tom Wolf from Sprayers 101. Tom, of course, we're into spray season. What are some key things producers need to keep in mind, especially this year? Uh, this year, timing is, is always critical, and we're always talking about time efficiency so that you can get the job done on time, be ready. You have small, narrow windows with moisture issues, and you know, the eastern prairie is too wet usually this year, and so you, you have to take the opportunity you get, and that means be ready, have tender systems that allow you to be productive, don't waste any time idling that sprayer. Just be ready to spray. Now, you talked a a little bit about optimizing performance and waste loss being a key concern. It's really surprising how much of the product in the tank doesn't end up going onto the crop it needs to protect. There's waste in priming, there's waste in cleaning, there's extra material we put in the tank because we're not quite sure what the level of the tank is. We've got some indications, we've got some gauges, but we don't trust them. So we're maybe overdoing it a little bit on the filling side and then we have leftover. What do we do with the leftover? We don't have a solution for it so it typically goes in the ground unfortunately and that's a waste it costs money and we've calculated the waste to be as high as 14 percent and uh, we think that with better plumbing and plumbing that you can actually do at home with recirculating booms with continuous rinsing systems maybe with better sectional control uh, you can be thoughtful about that and, and cut your waste by a factor of three uh, so that's very significant so we're talking about bringing it down from maybe 15 percent to five percent and when we are talking about waste uh, overlap, you said we can we can see about four percent there. Yeah, the the prairie average that I'm seeing is about a four percent overlap waste due to sectional controls being you know ten or twelve feet wide, and so you know you that that's your that's your resolution. So um, we um, we also see that the headlines we see sprayer booms sort of turning on you know after they've crossed the headlines and making sure they don't leave a gap and. and vice versa on the 
on the on the return trip, turning it on a little early, make sure that it's, it's fully up to pressure. Uh, those kinds of problems are best solved with a PWM system. So you have an individual valve on the nozzle body, and it, it it's always under pressure. So when you turn that valve on, it the, the whole spray boom is instantaneously on, and it also gives you nozzle by nozzle sectional control. So you minimize the overlap waste, and if you can save four percent, think about what that means for your bottom line. That's four percent of your total annual chemical bill. So if that's a hundred thousand, just to pick, pick a round number, that's a four thousand dollars saving per year, and 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 up from there, I guess. Drift loss also a concern. Always, it's one of the big ones, and it's not getting any better. Now we've done what we can with nozzles. Like we can't go much coarser than we're already going. The the remaining problem has to do with boom height and travel speed. The higher boom heights and faster speeds are associated with the bigger sprayers we're using. And you know it's a tough message to tell people, but the best thing you could do for drift nowadays is to slow down and lower your boom a little bit, and that means you're going to lose some acres per hour. But now we let's go back to the point one, which is logistics. You know, you can win all of those acres back and then some by having efficient filling, efficient tendering, efficient cleaning, efficient transporting, and just saving those minutes and putting them into field use. Talking about nozzles, you focused in on the dicamba nozzle and you talked about the importance of maybe having that in our arsenal. Yeah, the classic scenario is that we sometimes make bad decisions because we're under time pressure. We know that we need to spray this field, but conditions have changed since we made that plan. We arrive at the field and all of a sudden it's too windy. We know we shouldn't spray, but we also know we have to spray. This is a common conundrum. And the dicamba nozzles are extremely coarse nozzles. They reduce drift more than any other nozzle that we know. They're made specifically for the U.S. market uh, because it's legal, a legal requirement for dicamba, and there's many of them yeah, available. Now, it does mean that you have to maybe slow down, lower your boom, and, and add water to make them work well under high wind conditions. But you can, in fact, spray in a low drift way under fairly windy situations with these dicamba nozzles. When we're talking about cleaning out our, our sprayer, um, getting ready to, to put the next product in, as you mentioned, unfortunately right now the solution is we have to dump it on the ground. There's been a lot of discussion about these bio beds. Are we seeing more producers looking at the these now? They're interesting, uh, but we we have to have an engineering solution. I think they're a, they're a last sort of a they, they make sense for other kinds of operations. Actually, you know, let's face it, we we need to be able to dispose of our waste where we are right now. We're on a field somewhere, and there is probably not a bio bed on that field. The bio bed is probably at home. Okay, so now we still have to dispose of our waste. So I would rather have engineering solutions for those situations for the time being. And that means filling only, putting in only as much as you need, getting a recirculating boom so we don't have to prime the boom by spraying it out or those kinds of things. Spraying your waste out over the field. In other words, you've, you've saved time by all the efficiencies I already mentioned. And now you're using that time to be environmentally responsible and, and not opening just a tap on a stationary sprayer, but rather pushing the spray out the nozzles and moving and putting the spray on the field in a dose that it's actually recommended at. The other thing, of course, is uh, with agriculture, with anything, we see the advancements and changes in, in technology. What do you see coming for the future for spraying for producers? 
Uh, the most exciting thing really is this spot spraying, this optical spot spraying, green on green. We've heard that technology, artificial intelligence. It is uh, on the move. So I've seen early results. It's very exciting. It's actually amazing what these technologies can do. You know, these are cameras that can scan the ground ahead of you just a couple of meters ahead of the boom. The boom is going 15 miles an hour, so a very reasonable travel speed. And those cameras are able then to process the images and identify weeds even amongst crops and and then turn on nozzles in the lane of that particular weed or weeds and that has the prospect of saving a tremendous amount of product saving money maybe giving our farmers a, a tool to deal with resistance better by being able to mix more expensive more diverse mode of action tank mixes I think there's a lot of potential for this the other one really is that it looks great right I mean, anyone that sees a spot sprayer says, oh yeah, that makes sense. I, I get it. There's no explanation necessary. You can see, oh yeah, it sees the weeds and only sprays the weeds. And you go, wow, that's a great story. Isn't that a great story to show someone on a video that lives in the city, say, and tell them, this is, this is how advanced we are in agriculture. We, we should be proud of ourselves, actually. Overall, final thoughts, key comments you'd like to leave with producers today? Yeah, you know, it, it always comes down to fundamentals. The most fundamental thing is we have to have the right nozzle. It has to be the right size for the job. And that's, that way we are, we are sure that we get the right pressure, the right spray quality on. Those are very fundamental t uh, skills. There's always new people in the spray business, and we have to make sure that those skills are passed on to them. Some spraying tips for you here today on the program with the nozzle guy, Tom Wolf from Sprayers 101. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen-Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen-Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Miami Agricultural Society is celebrating its 25th annual rodeo along with the 113th annual fair June 25th and 26th. The Miami 4-H Beef Club will be hosting their inter-club judging competition this Friday evening and an open 4-H beef show on Saturday. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout July and August. Hours are 1 to 4 p.m. The Manitoba Crop Diagnostic School takes place July 5th through to the 8th in Carmen. At the University of Manitoba ENR Morrison Research Farm, sessions will be held from 8.30 until 3 daily, the cost $175. Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is hosting a workshop entitled Health Check for Your Pasture and Soil, July 6th. The cost is $30. You can register on the MFGA website, and the Suris River Watershed District is hosting its annual banquet July 7th. At the Hartney Community Hall, tickets are $50. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon. A new funding agreement will see dairy farmers of Manitoba commit up to $100,000 to the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association over the next two years via corporate and project support, kicking off with support of the MFGA Green Gold Program. David Weens is chair of Dairy Farmers of Manitoba. Yeah, we've been uh, working in partnership with the MFGA for a number of uh, years now, uh, especially through our, our Green Gold Program where, you know, it's... Uh, uh, where they uh, uh, take the, the field samples there early in the season, uh, and that that helps to uh, you know to guide dairy farmers in terms of the uh, optimum time to start cutting alfalfa. And so, yeah, this has been going on for uh, some time, and uh, of course, we have a lot of uh, shared interest here in in terms of uh, uh, you know of 
you know, uh, working with soils, grasses, and, and those sorts of things. So uh, with our, uh, you know, with Dairy Farmers of Canada, uh, of course, in, in February made a, uh, a zero carbon uh, pledge by 2050. And so, you know, that's for all of us then to uh, kind of work towards that. And so uh, we've, uh, we thought that uh, MFGA would be a perfect uh, uh, fit in terms of, of uh, helping us to achieve those goals here in Manitoba. So, um, yeah, so we see that as uh, working with MFGA on, on uh, you know, future projects around soil, uh, grasslands and, and water management. We're actually creating opportunities uh, for for dairy farmers to learn and participate in projects that that uh, support, you know, the best management practices to make that happen. So, yeah. So we we thought, yeah, this is something that uh, this is a partnership that we thought would be well worthwhile pursuing to help us achieve our goals. Yeah, and um, you know, just talk a bit more about that. Uh... The green gold program, the testing, and and um, that relative feed value, and and just how that um, you know benefits uh, dairy producers. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the green gold program has been you know it's been going for uh, probably about fifteen years. I don't know how long it's been going, but uh, certainly uh, that's been uh, important for dairy farmers. So what what uh, what MFGA has uh, has been doing is they have. Uh, a representative alfalfa fields uh, throughout the province so that the, uh, you know, because obviously uh, the crops mature at different rates in different parts of the province. So, you know, in, in those areas where there's uh, concentrations of dairy, you know, in the southeast, in the, in the central part of the province, in the west part of the province, they, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have some representative fields from each uh, area. And, and then, uh, you know, during this time, they do, uh, you know, a daily sampling there or every two-day sampling uh, to and, and, and actually analyze the alfalfa to, uh, to give us a, a very clear picture as to uh, when, the, uh, you know, when, when is the best time to, to cut the alfalfa because you don't want to be cutting it uh, uh, too early uh, because then the, the relative feed value is, is extremely high and then you don't get the, the, the full benefit of, uh, of volume. So it's just to help us identify that sweet spot where you get optimum value and, and, uh, and, and volume. So that's what it helps us to determine that and we report it out to, uh, to farmers uh, you know, so that they know in their area, uh, you know, what, what the best uh, uh, heyday is or, you know, when to, to start cutting. So, uh, you know, it, it, it generally tends to be that in the, the southeast is, is ready first and then, uh, and, and then uh, you know, a few days later then it's ready in, in other parts of the province. But, of course, every year is different, right? This year we have seen a major delay uh, simply because all the crops were, were slow off the start. And so uh, alfalfa was no different. That was David Weens, chair of Dairy Farmers of Manitoba. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Native grasses historically have been the foundation of early agriculture on the prairies and continue to play an important role for many cattle producers today. This is Native Prairie Appreciation Week. AAFC forage breeder Dr. Sean Aslan's work focuses on native plant breeding. One thing that my program is starting to look at more is establishment characteristics of native legumes and seeing if we have genetic variation for things like early vigor and establishment 
so that instead of planting a plot and it comes up three years later, having a plot that comes up in the same year. Dr. Aslan is a forage breeder and geneticist at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's Swift Current Research and Development Centre. The province's winter wheat crop is moving along quickly, with some fields starting to head out. However, there has been some quality concerns. Doug Martin with the Manitoba Crop Alliance farms in East Selkirk. I know on our farm here we had some issues with uh, winter kill, uh, something really strange. We had snow mold uh, hit our winter wheat. We had a really good growth. Put it, put it in early, and then the fertility was really high because of the dry conditions. Had a lot of growth, and that growth went flat, and it caused mold on uh, our winter wheat in our farm here this year. And, and Saskatchewan's ma- major potash producers all plan to ramp up production by millions of tons to respond to increasing global concerns over food security. The Mosaic Company, KNS Potash Canada, and Nutrien have all planned to increase production in the face of market gaps due to sanctions placed on Russia and Belarus due to the war in Ukraine. Nutrient CEO Ken Seitz says his company will increase its production 40% by 2025. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.